awesome was that? Oh, man. Well, this morning I want to talk to you about barefoot worshipers. And when, I hear, when you hear that title, barefoot worshipers, you may think of, well, I guess he's going to preach on Moses. But do you know there was someone else in the Bible that God told him to take off his shoes? Whenever we hear, take off your shoes or on holy ground, immediately we always think of Moses. But there's another individual the Lord asked for him to take off his sandals, for he is on holy ground. Turn to the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 5. Whenever we mention Joshua or when you hear the name of Joshua, Immediately, most people think, and the walls came tumbling down. Joshua fought the battle at Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Joshua fought the battle at Jericho, walls came tumbling down. And that's really what we think about first when we think of Joshua. But there's something that's very significant that took place before those walls came tumbling down that we often overlook that I want to address this morning. Shall we stand for the reading of God's word? Joshua chapter 5, starting with the 13th verse. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, He looked up, and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have come now. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. You may be seated. Anybody ever remember that in Scripture? Over the next five weeks, before our spiritual emphasis week comes with Pastor Jamel, uh, Jamal, Jamel Mayo, uh, he'll be here on a Friday, more, uh, a Friday night. Uh, Friday night at 7 o'clock, uh, we ask that you would save that date. And then Saturday morning, he'll be here for a men's breakfast. He was here the beginning of this year in January, and we had just an awesome men's breakfast with him. And then Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, one joint service, and then he'll be with us on Sunday Sunday evening. I trust that you will take note of those dates and and, and make sure you can do everything to, to be here for those dates for our spiritual emphasis week. But leading up to our spiritual emphasis week, over the next two weeks, I want to talk about worship, 
I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. I want to talk about renewal, revival. What is a spiritual emphasis week? And we know that all of that is useless if it doesn't include prayer. So over the next five weeks, that's where we're going leading up to our spiritual emphasis week. You know that when Joshua entered the, the promised land with that new generation, because the old generation was, was, could not go in because of their unbelief, and they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. When Joshua went in with that new generation, they were given the orders to... Get rid of the inhabitants. It says in verse 13, Now when Joshua was near Jericho, I believe the night before that battle, Joshua went out to develop a strategy, to come up with a game plan. He, he, he needed a plan to go into battle. And as he was looking at the walls of Jericho, those walls are, are noted over to be about 12 feet wide where two chariots could ride abreast on those walls. Jericho was very intimidating. It was a fortified city, a city that was built around great walls. It represented great strength. It had the reputation of being indestructible. So here is Joshua taking a look at this city that he is to drive out of the land. And I'm sure he's trying to think to himself, how in the world are we going to do this? As I was looking at this, I was reminded that in our Christian journey, in our Christian walk, in our Christian growth. There is no progress without resistance. We will always face resistance of trying to move forward. As they were moving into their promised land, they come up against the great walls. Why do I say that? This week I was just reminded of Luke chapter 22. Remember where Jesus goes to Simon? Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you. And when you turn back, what did Jesus say? Encourage the brothers. I want you to know that when we come up against these resistance, when we come up against these obstacles in our Christian walk, we're not alone. Jesus is there praying. And as Joshua stood before that big obstacle, this fortified city that was tightly shut up, it says in verse 1 of chapter 6, I believe he came to the realization of his inability to complete this task. As he looked from Jerusalem, uh, Jericho from all sides, we cannot penetrate this city. And he realized of his own 
inability to accomplish the task. As I thought of this, I thought to myself, how many of us have a Jericho in our life? How many of us have an obstacle? How many of us are faced with a situation that when we take a good look at it, there is nothing humanly possible we can do to solve the problem? I'm sure all of us are faced with a Jericho in our life right now. God, what you're asking, God, is totally humanly impossible. So what does Joshua do? He prays. Well, well, how do you know that, Pastor? Because Scripture says, he looked up. I will lift my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the maker, the Lord, creator. He looked beyond the walls. He looked beyond the difficulties. He looked beyond the impossible situation. And he looked to the Lord. I want you to know there are times in our life where no matter how bad it may seem or how impossible it may seem, we need to look up unto the hills from whence cometh our help. And when he opened his eyes, he sees a man with a sword that's drawn. And he asks this question, are you for us? Or against us. And this man says, neither. But as the commander of the Lord's army. Now who do you think that was? We know it was no angel. Because Joshua falls down and worships. And in Revelation chapter 19, verse 10, remember when, when John was so overwhelmed, uh, 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 he, he knelt down at the feet of an angel, and the angel said, hey, don't do it. Worship God, not me. We know that angels will not receive worship. So it wasn't an angel. I believe it was the same one who was in the furnace with Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, and the fourth one was likened unto the Son of God. It was the same one one who appeared to Moses at the burning bush. It was the same one who appeared to Hagar when Sarah ran her off. It was the same one who appeared uh, when Jacob wrestled all through the night. I believe it was the pre-incarnate Christ who appeared before Joshua. So that's who it was. Why? To encourage and to remind Joshua what I'm asking you to do, it may be humanly impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Aren't you glad that you have someone who sticketh closer than a brother through the difficulties and the obstacles of life? He was just there to reassure Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. 
I'm the commander. I have this under control. And when Joshua realized who this was, he falls face down to the ground in reverence. The King James says in worship. The Hebrew word means to humble oneself. He was humbled by the one whose presence he was in. And he falls face down in reverence and worship. I wrote this little question this week in my journal. Have we lost the awe of God? Have we lost the all of God? <laughs> when he appears, people are in awe. Have we lost the all of his presence? And Joshua says, what message do you have for me? Worship creates an atmosphere that allows us to hear the voice of God. Worship opens the ears and the eyes of our heart to hear the voice of God. And in reverence and humility and worship, what is it that you want to say? To your servant. Joshua, I want you to take off your sandals. If you're on holy ground. The very same word the angel of the Lord said to Moses. And then we read these simple words. And Joshua did so. Church, when God speaks, we must be ready and willing to obey. We must do it gladly without complaining and arguing. When God speaks, we must be willing to obey. Now, I learned this week, I never really thought about the significance of taking off one's shoes. In fact, I thought about starting this sermon with taking off my shoes and socks, but I thought it'd be a little weird. What's the significance of taking off your shoes and standing barefoot in the presence of the Lord? It symbolizes an exchanged life. My plans for his. My will now for his will. My desires now becomes his desires. It's literally a stripping of oneself. 
Not what I want, but what you want. Not my plans, but now your plans. Not my will, but your will be done. And how many know God needs barefoot worshipers? I believe that when Joshua took off his sandals, whatever strategy, whatever plan, whatever he had in mind that he composed to try to take that city, now just went out the window. And he stripped himself in humility before God. No personal agenda, no selfish ambition. He surrendered his plans and his purpose and his will to God. How many know that worship is a powerful offensive weapon? Before the battle was even fought, we find Joshua worshiping at the feet of the Lord. Hello, somebody. We sing the song and think he just marched around and the walls came tumbling down. But never miss the significance of worship. Now Jericho was tightly shut up. How many know that there are powerful, evil forces out there who want to close you in, who want to shut you up? There are powerful forces that are opposed to the idea of God working in the lives of believers. We read, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Folks, we are in a midst of battle. And as I looked, meditated, and thought about Jericho being tightly shut up, the powerful forces of evil opposes the things of God. They don't want anything put in the believer and they don't want anything coming out of the believer. In other words, these powerful forces want nothing good going in us and they want nothing good flowing out of us. The powerful forces of evil want to close us in, want to shut us down like Jericho. These powerful forces want to tightly shut you up that you never know change. You never know the power. One of the key strategies of the enemy is isolation. To isolate you from the body of Christ. I fought it for a long time, but yeah, we live stream our services. But just because we live stream our services on Facebook doesn't give you the excuse to stay home. Live streaming is meant for those who are sick, those who are on vacation. Winnie Piskoski called. 
Phil, she said, told me, make sure you tell Phil I said hi this week. Winnie Piskoski called down from North Carolina, South Carolina. I forget where she moved. But she says, I get to watch you every Sunday. It has a purpose. But don't let the watching the service online take the place when you can be here. Why? Well, I want to be very practical. You know why? Because you can't get a hug from Facebook. You can't get a hug from Facebook. This week I went out to minister's school. And after a long weekend, you know, I, okay, let me go. And I could have gotten the tapes of minister's school, but I said, let me go. First night there, Monday night, I walk into the service. Ralph Siegel from Seville gives me a big hug, man. Good friend. Ralph says some encouraging words. He's, and he's one of the leaders in his sections. He says, hey, we got another one of yours. I go, what? He says, yeah, man, we got another one of yours. He says, I met, met this kid. He said he was from Freehold. Oh, must be Tim Schley. Yeah, and, and that girl that started a church in Pleasantville. I said, Jen, yeah. And he says, and Pastor John, man, he's just a great brother. There's three now in our section from Freehold. You know what he said? Keep up the good work. Ron DePasquale, Bonnie, she, he says hi. And Ron and his wife Mary were so instrumental when our granddaughter, when my granddaughter, Bonnie's daughter, was, was at the uh, uh, intensive care unit at Livingston Burn Center for four weeks. And Ron and Mary, they pastored in a church in Livingston. They were so kind and so gracious. I, when, whenever I see Ronnie now, I kiss his ring. Stop it. I bow and kiss his ring. <laughs> And check this out. Tuesday night, I had dinner with Matt Jones. Not our Matt Jones, but Matt Jones, his father. Just, man, encouraging one another, talking about his son, how awesome he is. Wednesday morning, I had coffee with Brother Fogel, man. That's pretty encouraging. Tuesday night, I had Charlie uh, Astuto, his, his brother is a pastor down in Pensacola. But Wednesday morning for breakfast, right before leaving, I have Dave Greco on my left. I have our acting superintendent, um, Don James, on my right. And across from me is our district youth director, Fabian. Folks, it doesn't get much better than that. I wanted to be like, like Peter and John and build a tent and stay the rest of my life. You don't get that through interacting on Facebook. Let us not give up meeting as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another. Don't let the enemy isolate and shut you down. One of these powerful forces of the enemy, they, they want to shut us out. They want to shut us down. They want to shut your mouth up from worship. 
They want to shut your heart out from, from, from the things of God. They, they want to tightly shut up your arms so you can't lift them in worship. These powerful forces want to shut you down and isolate you from corporate worship because these evil forces know that nothing good can happen when people get together and worship. But I want you to know in order to get into the presence of God, there needs to be worship for God inhabits the praises, the worship of his people. Don't let the enemy isolate you and shut you out. Skipping ahead a little bit. Joshua told them that when they heard Let me go back one. We will get this. When you hear the sound of a long blast of the trumpets, have all the people shout. And when they heard the blast of the trumpet and they shouted, what happened to those walls? And the men were able to go in and come out. Listen, you have an obstacle that needs to be removed. You have a difficult situation that you're facing. I want you to know that worship can tear down those walls that divide. Those worship, worship can break the chains of discouragement and depression and fear and open the doors of freedom and joy. Oh, how we need to worship him. Have you lost the all of God? Worship helps us to see things from God's perspective. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered. See, I have delivered. See, I have delivered. As Joshua was looking at the fortified city, wondering how is it even going to be possible, the Lord says, see, in spiritual eyes, I have delivered into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. Basically, God says, the city is yours. When Joshua only saw the problem, he worried. And he couldn't worship. But when we see things from God's perspective, all of a sudden, worry is replaced with worship. Worship is seeing things through God's eyes, how God sees them. And, and there may be a difficulty and there may be a situation where, where you're facing today that it seems totally impossible. Well, I want you to know, take off your shoes, strip yourself, humble yourself, and no longer is it your way, but let it, God's be, let it be God's way. Let him be the Lord of the commander of the army. I often think of Job. You ever have a bad day? I almost hit two deer this morning. Cut my finger on a vase that had frozen and had to go up to shop right, get new flowers. It's, it's been a weird morning. But I often think of Job. Could you imagine Job? 
as he's whispered, you just lost your 500 yak of oaks of oxen. You just lost your 500 donkeys. The sheep and the servants are, are gone. Your 3,000 camels have been swept away. Your sons and your daughters. A wind came and collapsed the house and fell on them. Basically, Job lost everything. And in the light of losing almost everything, he falls to the ground and he worships. And I believe it's symbolic of him taking off his shoes. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. And the Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. He saw it from God's eyes. That's what worship does. And I'll close with this. Worship is something you need to do every day. Why do I say that? I often wondered, it would have been so easy to tell the Israelites, just walk around the city once, blow the horn, shout, and have the walls come tumbling down. But it didn't happen that way, did it? Once every day for six days. I believe that's symbolic, that the Lord wants us to worship him. Every day. And on the seventh day, we want, to, we want for you to walk around it seven times. Let me ask a question. If the Lord asked Joshua to have his people walk around the wall for seven times in one day, you know what they would say? How's that possible? But what did he do? He prepared them by having them walk around it once every day for six days. What does the Lord do? He prepares us through worship for the battles that come our way. Would you stand with me?